Hi, this is Nicole Marie T and you're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 92, Nicole Marie T. Composer Interview. Yes, we have a very special guest with us today. Yes, one we've been talking to for a while via Twitter DMs, just to get the ball rolling. And we've had numerous delays, mostly on our fault. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of stuff. We've just been personally crazy busy, both of us doing all sorts of summer things of the whatnot. But we have a guest coming to us all the way from, uh, I believe, England. Is that right, Nicole? Yep, that's correct. We're so happy that you could join us on our little podcast of VGMery. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So Nicole has done several soundtracks. You're a relatively new composer, at least in terms of games that are being released, like on Switch and Steam and whatnot. So we wanted to do something a little different. Normally, we, we a lot of the composers that we bring on are mostly like older composers. We haven't done an indie composer interview for a while. Yeah, I was gonna say since since the earlier days of, of this podcast, we did uh, Jeff Ball and mm-hmm. Coda. Um, yep. I think they're yeah. they're, they're both uh, a little on the indie side. Yeah, but we yeah. did f- uh, Freedom Planet. Oh, that's with right, Wuffle. Yep, yep, yeah, with Wuffle. It's good to get back to that because I, I like shining a light on on lesser known folks and especially lesser known folks that have music that is as cool as yours is. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So the track that we came in on is going to be probably our biggest focus this episode, but we've got a bunch of Nicole's soundtracks that we're going to dive into. This one specifically was from Ghoul Boy, Dark Sword of Goblin. This came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, Mobile, iOS, and Vita in 2017. And this track was just called Song One, of course, by the composer that we're having on, that we're talking to at this very moment that you're listening to. <laughs> Anything else to say? I got nothing. No, I really like this track. And uh, this was my first introduction to the game because, you know, you start up the game and this is the very first level uh, that you're playing through. This is a very like retro throwback, almost like a mix between, I'd say, like NES and Commodore 64. The background of the game itself gives me a vibe of Commodore 64. Everything's very dark. The, the, the brights are very bright, mm. but the darks are very, very dark. You're, you're talking about the uh, the visuals? The yeah, the visuals, ah, okay. for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought you were talking about the audio, and I was like, oh, I get more of a Genesis FM chip out of this, but oh yeah, you know, for, for the um, yeah. Yeah, for, for, the, for, 
the visuals, yeah, sure. I think that this kind of brings that tone of that of the C64 kind of mixed in with the Genesis a little bit. Agreed, though, yeah. With the SID chip kind of mixed in. So I, I really yeah. like that style. Is is that the style that you generally use for the most part pretty often? Or? Well, for that particular, for, for Google Boy, it was um, discussed like what chip tune, what kind of chip tune we should, like we were going to go for. Mm-hmm. So we did decide the, you're absolutely right about the Mega Drive. I was using a, a virtual instrument that imitates basically like the FM sound of Mega Drive for that for, for Google Boy. So um, we were definitely going for that FM, you know, retro, moody kind of feel for the music. Yeah, um, I can tell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. We always like to start off these types of episodes just getting to know you and, and getting to know your background in terms of video game music or just really just music in general. So can you tell us a little bit about your background experience with music? Did you start at a young age? Or are you relatively new to it? Just uh, what, what's what's the story on Nicole? <laughs> so, you know, like, I've always I've always loved music. So it's like very, very young. I think what kind of like ignited my passion for music is when I got my first keyboard at like mm. seven years old. And my <laughs> uncle bought me like this Casio keyboard and I was, I was obsessed with it. Like, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I knew from then, I think, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted to have something to do with music. I didn't know what it was yet. Like in my early days, I started, I, I was doing singing like as a hobby. Like I was, I was dabbling in a bit of singing, you know, I was doing a bit of karaoke here and there. <laughs> you know, if I enjoyed it. Um, like other, other people were leading me, like my friends and family were leading me into going that route. But I found there was something missing for me, like I didn't have a passion for singing. I knew it wasn't it, that wasn't it. I, I, you know, that wasn't my part. So I started, yeah, I went I went to college, I, I, was study, I started to study for music production. That just came to my head, you know, what about music production? I, I don't like, I'm not really into that singing scene. How about music production? Um, so I got into that and it just felt like home to me. I knew that was it. That was a moment when I started to study music <laughs> okay. production. That was it. I just knew, just clicked as like, that's what I want to do. Like that. <laughs> what, what, um, what is it about the yeah. production aspect that you think really, ca- is it like the ingenuity of like creating or crafting or, or more on the yeah. side of like making things sound really good? Like that sort of thing? Yeah, I don't know what it was. It's just like when I, when I started to produce, it was just getting, you know, like your imagination you're getting that down mm-hmm. into audio and that really fascinated me I was, I was thinking you know that is something I can see myself doing like Volta mm-hmm. I hadn't at that time discovered that I wanted to for, for games mm-hmm. that was just like my early days you know just making the music I didn't yet know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with music yet but I knew that was what I loved like just straight away I knew that that's what it was leading up to you know? so after I studied I had my got my qualifications for music production I started to put my music out there online. So I was, uh, I came across a website called uh, Pond5. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's like a, a stock website where you upload music for people to buy your music. Okay. Like, um, but royalty free music. And I was posting that on social media. I started up a Twitter page and I just started posting mm-hmm. my music. And then um, an indie game developer DM'd me and said he was interested in, he liked my music and he was interested in me doing. Um, some music for his game and that's where it all you know started and i realized that that is what i want to do you know music for games that's where because I, I love games already as it is so like i love music and games so that combination <laughs> making music for games is like my dream 
mm-hmm. and I can't see myself doing anything else. Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, question yeah. for you. I'm not sure if, I, if I'm just mixing terms up or, or when I... Is, is there a difference between music composition and music production? I feel like there the, there is in the industry, but do you use the like composition and production interchangeably or is there a specific thing that you do that's that, that's specifically production? I suppose that the more correct term is music production. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm being a music producer. Oh, I'm yeah. producing the music. It's all like virtually you know, on the keyboard. I use a um, program called Cubase. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, um, we've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. Said that. Yeah. And that's what I learned in, in, in my college days. It's college to study, and it's been about like 15 years now. I've been using it. Wow. It's like my favorite, my favorite program. That's the one that you know. That's my go-to yep. DAW program. So, I did, I did try Logic for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah I didn't really like walk, walk to it as much as Cubase. Like Cubase just for me it just has everything. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I, I stuck with. <laughs> I still use that to this. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of questions for you that we're going to get into. In just a minute, though, we're going to hear our next track from Nicole. This is my first pick. This is from a game called Robo Zaro, which came out on the Switch, the Steam, the Steam. Mm-hmm. Yep. PS4, <laughs> Xbox yeah. One in 2019. This track is called Processing Plant Main Boss. Thanks for joining us back on our interview with Nicole Marie T, our VGM composer of the day. That track that we just listened to was Processing Plant Main Boss. This came from RoboZaro, which came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, and Xbox One back in 2019. Man, mm-hmm. this this gives me a lot of different vibes. Uh, well, okay, two distinct <laughs> vibes, um, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. For one, that Sawtooth bass really brings me back to the Toa Plan stuff. Uh, I, I, yeah. I feel like I talk about that every every couple of episodes. We have a track <laughs> that's just like, oh, this reminds me of some of that Toa Plan stuff, or specifically... Tekipaki? That's the one. Yep. Tekipaki was the game. Right. I can never remember the name. I of the think track. we only played Tekipaki once. Yes. So. But, but it was <laughs> it was really good. So yeah. that Sawtooth bass really gets me going for that. And then the other thing 
thing is, as it gets into the song, when you get past that initial intro, I'm, I'm gonna reference to my other podcast, The Arcane Machine with co-host Ed Wilson. This reminded me of a song called Spiritual Cramp by a band called Christian Death. Hmm, I've heard of that band, I think pretty sure. This is cool because it takes what Ghoul Boy did and kind of turns mm. it on its head a little bit. <laughs> I like that this track, it kind of builds yeah, as yeah. it as it goes. So it's like starting off at ground level, you know, you get that boom, tsh, boom, tsh, you know, sort of beat. And then it kind of layers in all the additional instruments slowly before it kind of takes us in a totally different direction halfway through the track. It kept me guessing the entire way through. I didn't expect it to go where it did, yeah. which is, is really cool, especially for a main boss theme. Like <laughs> normally a boss theme, it's like da 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 you know, like that yeah, sort of energy, like yeah. high energy, like scary undertones. But this didn't have that. This felt more like a level mm -hmm. that was building upon itself. It was really different and very unique. My my guess would be that this boss gets harder as you beat him up or something. Gross. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, geez, dude. <laughs> you walked right into I that. I did. It hit me right in the nose. Right uh, in the Robozaro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my real Mazaras. Oh, but, so sore and tender. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that this boss, you know, starts out maybe not easy necessarily, yeah. but maybe he builds as as you defeat him right. or who, who knows. But like, that's the sense that I get. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh man, I don't know because I haven't played it, but mm. it'd be cool if that was the situation. Like, it's just one of those bosses that like gets bigger or just gets harder yeah. to fight as, uh, as, as the fight goes on. He's very busy processing his plant. Yes. If you will. Just the one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what were some of your non-video game music influences in terms of musical genres, bands, composers, things like that? I would say um, I, like, I like a lot of different genres from different eras. So I can listen to anything. Anything that sounds good to me, like, I'll listen to like, what genre it is. Because I appreciate all the eras of music, you know, like 70s, 80s, 60s, and 2000s. And so, yeah, I listen to like various different genres, really. Um, but my favourite, I would say, I love cinematic music, love orchestral, I love mm. a bit of Pan's Zimmer, you know, um, John Williams. Yep. Oh, yeah. um, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, like, I can listen to that and just like, it's, it's amazing to me. Cinematic music, I would say it's one of the hardest genres to make, in my opinion, because I've done myself some um, cinematic music. But when I listen to it and I listen to like the compositions and everything, it, it, I really like, I think it's outstanding, like what they do. Like Hans Zimmer, especially, and um, John Williams, those are like, my top two yeah. composers when it comes to like orchestral, cinematic, that kind of music. Mm -hmm. That kind of music is is special in a lot of ways because it, it's not just music being composed for like the sake of music or whatever. Like it needs to fit yeah. the scene. It's generally like taking the emotion of a scene and then translating that into music to, to kind of bolster what's going on visually. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, that, that that's a... Yeah. It, it, not many people think about cinematic music in that uh, in that respect. So uh, it, it's interesting yeah. to hear you, to, to hear somebody you know say that that's you know that's my favorite and, and to talk about it like that. Yeah. I agree. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, chip tune is obviously another big you know like <laughs> big genre of mine. But like um, as you say, it's like non. So you're saying like non-video based music, right? Um, the video games based music. I would say other than cinematic underground, I love a lot of underground indie music. Mm. You know, like the instrumental stuff. Mm, okay. Chill out. There's this one particular radio station, I mean, um, Nordic Lord Radio. Just a big shout out to them guys. It, it, it's an amazing underground 
radio station. It's an online radio station. Okay. And they just play amazing music on there. That's one of the That's cool. radio stations. Well, what, what's so. the name of it? Can you say it again? Um, Nordic Lodge Radio. Nordic, Nordic Lodge, Lodge Radio. Radio. Okay, okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. They're really, really good. Yeah, you're not the first composer that's that we've talked to that said uh, orchestral music, actually. Grant mm. Kirkhope was another oh, yeah. one. Really? Who, yeah, he, he mentioned that that was a big inspiration. I mean, you know, obviously rock and heavy metal and stuff like that he was super into but yeah. you know of the of the rock genre but yeah that that's one of the things that is interesting to me that uh, a lot of video game music composers mention specifically orchestral music or like you know uh, soundtracks mm. you know yeah I, I think that has yeah. a lot to do with just the fact that it's so entwined with video game music in in the sense that Definitely. you know especially now a days with like triple a studios they're you know a large chunk of their stuff is either that like electronic kind of like mm. uh inception kind yeah. of blah, <laughs> you know kind of stuff yeah. mixed in with like dubstep and all that sort of stuff but then you've also got the more orchestral side of things where you know, game com- composers are trying to make these video game soundtracks much more in line with movies yep. and films. Yeah, I think it was Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Zimmer did actually, I think he did a soundtrack for a game called Crisis 2. Yep. Oh, so usually he does yeah. film music. Yeah. yeah, usually he does like music for films and that. But yeah. he did actually, you know, he's, he's doing that as well as games. And that, I just find like that kind of talent, it's, it's just amazing to me. So I really look up to him. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta wonder how much in line the two mix in. Like, if you're traditionally, like, you know, you're mentioning like Hans Zimmer, traditionally a uh, movie or TV score yeah. soundtrack creator, how that shift over to video games, uh, how much different it is. It's, it's interesting because you know, you've got a lot of cues and stuff that you have to set up for, like, I got an item, and, mm. you know, like, I, you know, the, yeah. death, the death noise or whatever, like that sort of thing, like, you know continue that sort of stuff so i, I gotta yeah. wonder if if they're used to recording that that sort of thing and uh if if it's something as simple as because they're so they're, they've been doing these like long film orchestral soundtracks for so long that it, it gives them a conundrum where they're like hey wait a minute okay i'm not used to recording like a three second death noise <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah uh, interesting enough, Hans Zimmer also did the uh, the main theme for the Skylanders series. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. It does. He's, he's a very busy guy, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. he's doing quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's sure. really talented. He's very, very talented. And, uh, him alongside John Williams, uh, but as far as I know, I don't think John Williams has done that music for games, but he's still extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. right. I, I think any yeah. of John Williams music in video games is uh, is John Williams music for movies that was just put in video games, like the Star Wars yeah. game and stuff like that. Well, we all know yeah. that John Williams is basically just the Nobuo Uematsu of, uh, <laughs> of, 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 of movie soundtracks, right? Fair. Pretty much. Pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, we are going to listen to another RoboZaro track. Uh, again, 2019, this came out in the Switch Steam, PS4 and Xbox One. We're going to hear the mini boss theme from the construction area.
All right, welcome back. That was Construction Area Mini Boss from 2019's Robozaro, composed the, by our guest of the day, Nicole Mariti. The thing I, I wanted to point out about this one that I really liked was the soft snare coming back into the. Yeah, yeah. You know, like kind of bringing that track back in, at least as far as the percussion goes. I That kind of stood out to me. Uh, but this was a rocker. Yeah, yeah. This was so kind of like what you were talking about with the last track. You know, the main boss has this this thing that starts out and, and kind of builds, but the mini boss just starts out kind of intense. Yeah. Like it, it feels like a boss track, like like what you were describing. Yeah. Uh, and then it just like it starts from an intense area and then it gets more intense. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, there's nowhere for this to go, and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is why I picked it because right. it just like when I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, this this did things to me in my brain. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a 2D game, and I get some serious Amiga vibes from the visuals. Mm. It's a physics-based 2D action game. You have uh, robots B0-3 and Zero Ramatron, who are going on this quest throughout uh, what is called Mech Angelus, instead of Los Mech Angeles. Mech yeah, Angelus, yeah. to uncover the disappearance of Dr. Zero. Yeah, it looks really neat, uh, but this, I get a super indie vibe from this. Like, just the aesthetics and the visuals, this really does look like it, it should have been made for the Amiga, just in the way that it was designed. Like, a very European kind of design, hmm. uh, as far as the visuals go. I liked it, it was cool, but it, it just, it gives me that, like, that Amiga era. Yeah, 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 very cool. Yeah, I, I, li I like a lot of the music that came out of that, although the music for this, I feel like it... It feels like a kind of a mix between that kind of stuff, like the Amiga, the Commodore 64, mm. but I definitely hear some Mega Drive and potentially, I mean, I'm not going to say some Master System, because I feel like it's more Mega Drive yeah. Genesis. Yeah. yeah. But you're going through the game, you're collecting different type of like scraps and stuff mm. that you can use to there's this physics manipulation thing that you have in the game called the grab and blast and that allows you to turn enemies or environmental things into like weapons like explosive mm. weapons yeah that yeah. sort of thing so there's different types of uh, gadgets that you can get like the mega charge the robo claw and all of these will help you uh on your on your quest through Mech Angelus. And uh, there's time trials too. So, you know, th there's, a, there's a wide variety of stuff that you can do in this in this game. It seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So Robozaro has a mix of sounds, both from the Commodore 64's SID chip and uh, what I would say Sega's, the Genesis X, or as you call it, the Mega Drive's uh, X-Men 2 The Clone Wars, which has this like really like tonally harsh Genesis Gems sound to it. Uh, we spent an extensive amount of time talking about the Genesis Gems driver sound profile fairly recently on a uh, episode yeah. with uh, Daya who is uh, Aaron Hickman. He's a chiptune composer. Did you study a specific sound font or driver when composing for this game or any others? Uh, um, so for the tech wanted me to, um, it was more like a Mega Drive, mm. based around the Mega Drive yeah. sound. So I already had that in my virtual instrument library. Make a drive um, a PST. So, so I started from that really, you know, just just trying to, to kind of match that old school Make a Drive mm -hmm. vibe to ma match the game, you know, the criteria of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, like all my my knowledge, like how to make how to use virtual instruments, mm -hmm. has been 
like YouTube, <laughs> you know, YouTube is typing that. How do I use this? Recently? And you know, I was like just watching video after video to get you know better each yeah. uh, virtual instrument that I have in my library. That's basically really, yeah. That's yeah. that's my technical knowledge. Like a lot of videos, a lot of tutorials. Mm-hmm. I would watch that day in day out. Just keep watching the tutorial videos until I get like mm-hmm. you know better at making making music with that particular music. So yeah, Robozaro, it was definitely the FM Megadrive sound. Yeah, when I was listening to it, it it really does kind of remind me of the of the X Men Two Clone Clone Wars soundtrack by uh, Kurt Harlan, and it's got this like kind of crunchy, but in a way like almost desolate kind of like uh, sound to it. Hmm. It's it's interesting because that's based on the Gems Driver. So I'm wondering if the if the plugin that you looked up online that you found was designed specifically for gems because it sounds like straight out of gems. It doesn't sound like anything that you know we've heard otherwise from non-gems based. Yeah, like a lot stuff. of the, Jap- the Japanese composers. Yeah. On, on the Mega Drive. Yeah, like I mean, like uh, it, the Genesis is just so such a, a <laughs> an interesting powerhouse of a system to record for for FM. I mean, yeah, you, you've got you know the the Matt Furnish Sean Hollyworth mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, st- sound style which you know has its own slick presentation and, and sound to it you've got the gem stuff which we dove into a few episodes back and then you know you've got the the people who created the thing the Japanese composers uh, who kind of led the pack <laughs> so it's always interesting to to hear a Western uh, composition that that sounds like a Western composition but at the same time it really kind of brings out specific sounds that are designed from you know things like gems. I'm, yeah. I'm curious how that uh, how that all came about, or 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 that specific tutorial that you found to look up. If somehow it was pre-written as a patch to be for gems, that that that'd be interesting to find yeah. out. Yeah, mm. yeah, The VST that I had was it was I think it was primarily for the um, Mega Drive, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was definitely the that was the main focal point. Like bits of sound, mm-hmm. like. The FM Mega Drive, and to make it sound like robotic, because the game is based around yep, yep. you're playing a robot. The main character is a robot, so I yep. try to imitate that kind of vibe, Bingo. music, to make it sound more like that robotic. Um, so I hope I pulled that off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now that you mentioned that, that perfectly makes sense, actually. That's why, the, like, the tonal stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because the X-Men 2 Clone Wars, there's, I mean, there's so many yeah. levels in that, that, you know, there's an interesting mix on that soundtrack of, like, electronic, you know, like, EDM kind of synth pop era mm, stuff. I mean, we yeah. talked a lot about, you know, yeah. Kurt well, Harlan's contributions say, with Inform- it, Information it, 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 Society. Society. Yeah. Yeah. But where it kind of stops in that aspect is you know yeah. those elements uh, but the actual tone itself of the instrumentation it is ripped right out of that kind of sound bank so it's really cool to hear something where like that harkens back to like you know fighting a sentinel so yeah. to speak you know and then yeah. like you're listening to this and she's mentioning robots so yep. it really kind of fits in line with what we're talking about today. oh yeah yeah thank, thank you very much yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was going for, kind of like robotic vibe, the music. Yeah, yeah, it was was a fun experience, very, very nice experience. Yeah. Up to work with Matt Matt again. Yeah. All right, my next pick is from a game which has such a cute title. It's Mina (laughs) and Michi. This came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, and Xbox One in 2020, and this is Giuliano Song 3. 
All right, welcome back. That was Mina and Michi, the super cute name of a super cute game. Mm. Uh, this came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, and Xbox One back in 2020. This was Giuliano Song 3. This is a super cute track. It's very bubbly and fun. Yeah, I mean, it matches the, the aesthetics of the game. Yeah, perfectly. absolutely. Like, this is a super cute track to a super cute game. Uh, I mean, what, what more is there to say? Like, I get the sense of just kind of like wandering a world of wonders with, yes. with this track. Like, there, there's a lot of like looking and just going, oh, in my, if, in my mind. If bubbles aren't slapping you in the face while you're listening to this song, you're doing it wrong. That seems kind of violent. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's come up and it. grab you by the shirt and slap you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me that lunch money, <laughs> Justin. Mina and Michi is a 2D game which has a top-down look about it, mm. Zelda-ish. It's about a girl and her friend. At least in terms of the visual, it's like Adventure Time, but I'm also getting some like uh, Big Hero 6 kind of vibes too a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, you're just going around, going on adventures and defeating enemies, and your travels take you through the various different seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, like spring, summer, fall, winter, that whole thing. Yeah. It's interesting. So the character of Mina does not like gelatin, and uh, a lot of the enemies are gooey, gelatin-style character enemy thing. If there is not a part of the game where she says, why did it have to be gelatin? <laughs> I'm, I'm losing all respect for the game. Oh, I mean, really, honestly, what are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. How dare you not... Cater to my needs. No. <laughs> Reference Indiana Jones. Right, right, right. Another another interesting thing uh, is the control style. So it, there, are, there are two characters, Mina and Michi. So it's got couch co-op uh, on Steam. You can do remote play together. But you can also play in solo mode. Uh, and each of the sticks, like one stick controls Mina and one stick controls Michi. Okay. So it, uh, I do, I'm sure there are other games that have done it, but I've not seen or heard of them. And it was just a, a novel way to control to control two characters. That is interesting. That that really makes well you like good use of the switch. Oh yeah, yeah. That's possibly what oh, it was built around. Yeah, actually, that that makes sense because if you're holding the switch, playing it single player, you've got both things. That right. If you if you pull the pop them out, yeah, the, the Joy Cons off. It's it's literally the same thing except yeah. you you can give it to the guy sitting next to you. Okay, yeah, For sure. Huh. That's neat. But yeah, it's eight bit style as far as the graphics go. You know, I'm, I'm actually really glad that Nicole didn't go with like an eight bit traditional kind of like NES sound font for this. Mm. It makes it feel like it's a modern retro game. You know, like a true modern retro indie game without going for like that super very 8-bit that <laughs> everybody uses where it's like super 8-bit. Not that there's anything wrong with that, oh, but it's just, I, I love 8-bit music, but like it's just really cool to see something that's like this where uh, the music is more like, uh, on, uh, it's it's a little bit more fresh. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, what kind of video games do you enjoy in your free time? I love a bit Rocket League. <laughs> okay. I've got oh. my uh, yeah. I love Rocket League. I've got I've got the um, Switch and the PS4. Okay. I've got Rocket League and like both consoles. A lot of people might hate this, but I do like Fortnite. <laughs> Okay. I mean, Fortnite is, is, is very There's a reason very why big. it's very popular. Yeah, no, <laughs> I can't deny it. Very yeah. popular. Yeah. My, uh, two of my mates got me into that. Um, at first, I was like, no, I'm not playing Fortnite. It's not my kind of game. <laughs> and they got me completely hooked on it, and I was I was quite pleasantly surprised how good of a game it is. And yeah. once you get into it, uh, you learn the controls and everything. It's quite... It's quite a good game. That's how, um, I, that's how and, I felt about what, WoW, about World of Warcraft. Warcraft. Yeah. It's like once you yeah. open that gate, 
No, like, yeah. you, there's no, like, once you start there's playing actually. something, there's yeah. no way you're getting out of it. You know, that's why <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm like, nope, I can't do it. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> that's, that, that's how it is a game. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, I think, um, yeah, another, another game, oh, Knockout City, which is on uh, the Switch, which is really good. And it's got voice chatting, because usually the Switch doesn't have voice chatting games. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a few that do, so Knockout City and Rocket League. Both have, and, and Fortnite actually has, they all have um, voice chat on the Switch. Uh -huh. So when I want to play my friends, you know, or like sometimes I play my nephew, so he wants to play a bit of uh, Knockout City, so I can talk to him at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's like a social thing as well, as well as like playing a social plane, you know what I mean? Which makes it nice. So I love that in games, you know, like when you can use a headset and like mm -hmm. talk at the same time with whoever you're playing with. Yeah, oh, it just yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm very big on um co uh, collaborative or like team team style games. Like I, I play Destiny yeah. 2 with a few friends online. I just I like playing with people. I'm not Same. big on competitive because I get I get ultra competitive and it just ruins the fun for me and everybody else. But um, anything where I can cooperate <laughs> well, with friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, co op is definitely one of my favorite. Yep. Definitely. I, I'd say I'm more singular yeah, yeah. In, in that aspect. Yeah, I've always kind of been a single player gamer, you yeah, know, and yeah. like I like multiplayer stuff yeah. if it's like couch stuff. I was going to say, you do couch co-op pretty well. I'm, I'm way more into couch co-op. I just feel like the connection's there a little bit more. I, I don't mind playing people online, but like having like the headset and all that, it just kind of feels like a detachment for me personally, mm. but I don't know. And yeah, it also kind of, in a way, well, in a way too, it gets in the way of the music too. So that, <laughs> that, that yeah. that's kind of yeah. like to, to me, because I'm like, okay, I need to focus on what they're telling me so that I can like help them in the game or whatever. But then I'm like, yeah, but this song is so good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Any classic games? Any anything that would be considered retro that uh that, that you're particularly fond of? Oh, I love a lot of retro games. I can Alex Kid, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's my top one because that was my first video game I remember playing as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was built into my master system. So when I got a master system mm -hmm. uh, console. That was the one that was built in. So they built I had the um had Alex Kid in Miracle. Oh, so that was built yeah. into the console and that was the first ever game. So that that brings a lot of like nostalgic memories for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can play that anytime, just feel like it just it just triggers that memory. Like Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, Great games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to your games specifically, since, you know, you said you have a Switch, you have a PS4, do you ever sit down and play the games that have the music that you created for them? And if you if you have, which one of them is your favorite? Oh, I would say um, Corporal. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I, have, I have actually downloaded the other games mm -hmm. as well. Like I've done music for, but Corporal is one of those you know, have played it on Switch. And it's it's a it's a great game, and I I find like I can't like beat the game because I'm not as like good at it, you know, as like, as, as I like to be. But it's quite a hard game. It's, it's a very hard game, but it's very well put together. Yeah, it starts um, off pretty easy, but but yeah, then like as the levels go on, yeah. you're like, whoa, okay, it so gets this much is hard. yeah, yeah. That's the part I can't pass. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, the first few levels are fine. I'm like, this. Yeah, <laughs> gets that progresses in the game. It's much harder, but mm. it, it's definitely an excellent game. Cool. They're not retro. Mm. Okay, let's get into my Mina and Michi pick. This is going to be Song 5. Uh, and again, this game came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One in 2020. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, that was Mina and Michi, the 2020 game on uh, Switch, Steam, Xbox One, and PS4. And the track was Song 5. I like that this song does still do the 8-bit, you know, it, it adds that in yeah. after, you know, we spent an entire yeah, yeah. break going like, I'm really glad that it didn't <laughs> have this. But, like, I think this more, like, adds a specific flavor to to the sound style that's already there. Yeah, because well, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like specifically 8-bit music. It right. feels like Nicole took the SID chip, like I get some heavy, heavy C64, maybe maybe Amiga vibes from like the main melody and stuff going on there, uh, and then added some like 16-bit stuff underneath it. Like there's more than just your your crunchy SID chip stuff going on here. I think that's what makes it uh, a little bit more than some of its parts in my mind. Like you mentioned that the game itself is an 8-bit game and it was funny because I was like, no, this is 16-bit. And I was looking at it and it reminds me a lot of like Zelda A uh, A Link to the Past. But reading the actual description of the game, they specifically call out colorful 8-bit style graphics. And I went back and looked and I was like, yeah, I I guess they are using a limited color palette. But it's one of those things, like, it's an 8-bit game, but it feels kind of 16-bit. Same with this music. Like, yeah. there, there's the 8-bit showcase, but there's more to it. Right. Yeah, I mean, the physical design itself is very Zelda-ish, but much more cutesy. It mm. really does remind me of the Adventure Time game that came out on the 3DS a while back. <sighs> which has a very similar style and design. So I really do think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I really do think that they took a lot of influence from stuff like Adventure Time. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing, because Adventure Time's super fun and cutesy, and (laughs) yeah, it's great. You really get a sense, like, visually as to going through the seasons, especially with the colors itself. You know, you get the really green greens of the spring. You get the uh, almost, like, minty blues of uh, winter and then the more like uh, pinkish hues as well for uh, what looks to be like spring, fall, sort of maybe the green is summer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think assume the green the, might be ye- summer. Yeah, I assume the yellows and oranges are, are, are autumn and yeah. then the, the pink. Between the two of those. It's tough to decide because yeah. they both look very similar. I, I would almost call it the pinks summer and the greens spring, but I mean, I guess mm. we got we to gotta play it and find out. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just an excuse to download it. Yep. When you're playing this game, you'll go through as Mina and Michi to find various different like items that you can get, uh, mm-hmm. some of which are rare, some of which are more common, and some of which are even magic-oriented. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much going through the game to uh, get six up to six different relics, which give you like these abilities that you can use throughout the game. Mm. It does have a co-op mode uh, for local co-op, so if you want to play the game single player or local with couch co-op, you can, Mm -hmm. as we said earlier. Three difficulty levels and uh, lots of different items that you can get. Similar to Zelda, there's like extra hearts that you can get, you know, to uh, to increase your health and Mm -hmm. stuff. Alternate paths that you can take. Instead of taking the main path, you can kind of go off the beaten path and choose a different way. So it's cool. If you like the Adventure Time's visual art style, or maybe you played the Adventure Time game uh, on the 3DS, this is kind of more of the same, but of course with uh, Nicole's music. Nice, nice. All right, so how did you first get into video games and composing for video game music? I started to first post my music online, like the music that I was doing, my productions that I was that I completed and I was happy with the sound and everything. Um, so I started to put it online and I was confident, you know, um, and an indie game developer came to me and asked for me my music, like if I can make music for this game. And I think that's where that's where it started off really. 
and I started to realize, yeah, this is something that I really, really enjoy doing. And from then on, it, it, I just stuck with it. And you know, I, I, I find it the most satisfying thing to make music for games because I'm a gamer as well as loving music. But those two together, you know, you've got perfect combination. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely, I'm, I'm more like a gamer than a film person. You know, mm-hmm. watching films, I'm not that big on. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to games, I have more passion for that. So it makes more sense for me to delve into that rather than the, the film aspect, film yeah. composing films, which is great and everything, but I don't see myself going that route. It's more like the game, the gaming world. You know. I work with a lot of indie game developers, and it's just an amazing mm-hmm. like community of people. Uh, oh yeah. Did you after yeah, you did definitely. after you got the first game? Was it kind of a, a long break in between, or was it like once you started doing one, it was like you know potato chips, like you just can't stop, so you yeah. just kept. You it know, was like that. I think it was like a snowball effect. I yeah. think it started off like that, and the more consistent I was in posting my music online. The more you know communication I would have with indie game developers, they'll contact me, mm-hmm. DM me. So I was just from that it sparked that passion mm-hmm. to keep like posting my music. I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is something I really enjoy. So I started to get that. Once I had that passion, it's like I couldn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> like posting, I was just, I kept <laughs> posting my music. I was like, wow, I really, I love the idea of like working with game developers and mm. um, um, my, my music my, and actually when I first saw my my credits in a game mm-hmm. that actually made me cry I know it oh. sounds a bit cheesy <laughs> but it didn't, it was just, I was so like happy yeah, yeah. It, and that you know just it just confirmed it for me this is this is my passion this yeah is what I want to do. that's awesome yeah it's yeah, a really cool feeling yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a very interesting thing to hear this because most of the composers that we have spoken to in the past, they're either like already well-established, like long-time composers who got in at the ground level of a lot of companies forming like Rare or like some of the, you know, when we talked to Barry Leach, like that, like that sort of stuff. But then uh, you talk to a lot of uh, indie composers and I don't think we've really ever found out with with a lot of them, you know, like how they specifically got their music to these companies. Yeah, yeah. So this is an interesting idea of, you know, she just put the music out online and just was consistent with releasing it. And then all of a sudden she started getting like, you know, hey, this is a cool song. Like, can I use it for my game? Like, that's that's really yeah. neat. It's, it's a different take on like trying to get your foot in the door for yeah, ga- yeah. for being a game composer. So it's it's cool that developers were like, coming to you instead of like you know I, I almost feel like in a lot of ways when it comes to content creation you you've got to really kind of reach out to people first and oh. be like hey you know yeah. th- this is what i made do you like it do you want this music for your game yeah but in, in the cold circumstances she's just like hey this is cool like i'm just putting this out there for me or whatever and people are like banging down her door to, to yeah. get access well, to it, it it reminds me of um when we had uh grant kirkhope and david wise grant was talking about how um before he got into rare he had sent like literally a, a cassette tape yeah um out, out to uh to to rare or to somebody at rare like hey you know this is this is what i've done right and you know try, trying trying to get you know in with this one place and it, it, it feels like it's almost the mirror image of that where yeah you know Nicole's putting putting the music out on like a royalty uh, for royalty free site, mm-hmm. and then other people are saying are, are finding it and saying, "Oh, hey, I like what you've done. Yeah, come you know, come come do this. Uh, you know, the music for this game for me, which I is think, I, 
really cool to see that turnaround. I think that's also the magic yeah. of the internet, too. Because, yes. yes. I mean, you know, we're talking Definitely. about composers yeah. from like 20, 30 years ago. Yep. Their only option was, hey, I need to send this out, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, the magic of the internet, you could put anything up and, you know, if people like it, they're going to come to you and, and yeah. come check out your stuff. So <laughs> that's cool. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the beauty of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, yep. it's a big world out there, you know, like when it's all in that, that place of social media, you know, you meet a lot of amazing people in there for sure and so when, when that started to happen for me i was like oh, wow you know that it, you know social media is a wonderful thing because that's where you know like especially twitter i think where game devs hang out you know like on twitter and that's mm-hmm. you know yeah. i started to use that as my first that was i think that was actually my first like social media platform i okay. started on twitter yeah and then i worked my way to like instagram after but i built my more my portfolio i was posting more on twitter mm-hmm. and yeah so that's um it's, it's quite amazing to see you know that unfold for me at the time and, yeah. um, <laughs> i was very pleasantly surprised <laughs> it was very nice it was nice like especially like first first time like working with a game developer mm-hmm. you know and i knew i just knew from that point that's that's definitely what i want to that, that's my career path yeah. just making music for games that's it that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah. So you mentioned the Master System was your first system, and you got Alex Kidd with it and everything. Um, yeah. After the Master System, wh- where did you kind of go from there? Like, did you kind of uh, stick with Sega, which I know a yeah. lot of, like, Europeans and uh, people from England and, and everything. Like, Sega was the big one for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Like, th- that was, like, you know, the Master System was kind of the gateway yeah. for a lot of people of of our age uh that we're, we're getting Definitely. into it so w- did you stick with sega or did you move on to other consoles uh like when playstation came out or, or how, how did that oh yeah so first it was like i had actually um a mega drive as well okay and the same sort of, so like it was like masters i think i think because then masters master system came out before right yeah, yeah. The Mega Drive, mm-hmm. but I had like both of them, and then from Mega Drive, I did actually go to PlayStation. Okay, so my, that was like my one of the ones that you know, I really enjoyed. You know, the consoles, the PlayStation One, the PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three. Even now, I've got my PlayStation Four. You know, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm a big PlayStation fan. Yeah. So yeah, so from Sega, I actually went to Sony. Interesting. And. Um, yeah. Was it like your 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 parents were were getting you the the systems and the games and all that, or or were you like saving yeah. up birthday present money or? <laughs> uh, my yeah, my parents actually got me the PlayStation, and yeah. my first game on it was uh, Tomb Raider. Okay. Ooh, nice. That's cool. Yeah, on the PlayStation One, and like we were all hooked, hooked on it. Like even mum, like she would stop playing it. Like yeah, I love Tomb Raider. I made a bit of Tomb Raider. That must have been cool. Um, yeah. That must have been cool for you too, being not only from England, which you know Lara Croft is is British, but at, at yeah. the same time, you know you're a girl, and uh, you know like growing yeah. up seeing that, that must have been like yeah. uh, very inspiring too, because you're like, oh, you know, there's this girl and she kicks ass, and oh, yeah, you know, she's badass. from yeah, she's from my exactly. my my neck of the woods, <laughs> so to speak. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of connection there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, but, that's, that's a huge part of like why I I connected with the game, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so it was female character, you know, like as you say, you know, yeah. She she was very uh, it was just very exciting times yeah. growing up. Yeah, like, that's cool. Too, I bet. And even like what made it so amazing, even like later on, Nathan McCree, like the composer to yeah. Tomb Raider, actually followed me on Twitter. So he followed me on Twitter. I was like, oh my gosh, like the composer that's awesome. Followed me. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> 
It's, I was like, oh, the moon. It's one of those fe- that, feelings just, that you get when you get a composer that follows you. You're like, oh my god, what just happened? Yeah. Or they like tw- retweet <laughs> something you said or whatever. Very surreal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's very very surreal. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, his music is fantastic in two All right, we're gonna jump back into Ghoul Boy and the return track that we're gonna play off of Dark Sword of Goblin is Song Five, and again, this is off of Ghoul Boy. Uh, the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, mobile, iOS, and Vita game, which started coming out in 2017.
XBGM Radio, where the bits just keep coming. Thanks for joining us back on our Nicole Marie T. Composer interview, episode 92. That was Ghoul Boy, the Dark Sword of Goblin. And this came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, Mobile, iOS, and Vita in 2017. The song was called Song 5, and it was pretty good. What did you think about this? Um, yeah, no, uh, th- this is really cool. It- it's got like the ooky spooky vibes, which I was hoping for with a game called Ghoul Boy Dark mm. Sword of Goblin. You'll hear some more of that in, in my next pick, mm. but I like the-, the arpeggios that were going on. I really like how like staccato uh, do, do, a lot do, of it do, was because it adds to like it's not an empty track, but mm. playing those notes staccato, not letting them ring out adds to kind of the empty feeling of it, yeah. which just kind of compounds on like the, the creepy factor. Sound-wise, this is just such an interesting song because it's not quite Genesis and it's not no. quite <laughs> C64, but the game itself gives me super C64 vibes. Mm. You know, it just looks like a Commodore 64 game. It's got that black background, almost like this whole entire thing was either done on like uh, one of those like black pieces of paper sort of thing as far as like how it was drawn oh, the, out. Oh, the, the scratch, like where, where you scratch the paper instead yeah, of... Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, the colors themselves are very neon-esque uh, in, in that aspect when you look at pictures of, of it or see yeah, it in motion. Yeah. It's cool. I, I ended up downloading this one just to try it out and uh, it's really fun. Uh, it's kind of like a, you know, kid-ish version of um, like... You know, Ghosts and, Goblin? Ghost and Goblins or, you know, Castlevania or any, you know, any of those type of, you know, uh, Astyanax or Rastan Saga, you know, all those yeah, like barbarian yeah. style games. What's wild is that the picture of the character for Ghoul Boy, the screen itself for like when you were, if you're going to go like download the game, mm-hmm. looks like very anime influenced. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the game itself, when you play it, is very Western. I get a very Western vibe from it. Agreed. It actually reminds me... Uh, that, well, so there are certain bits of it that remind me of Dark Castle and Return to Dark Castle. Yes. Um, I mean, way, way, way back. Mm. Specifically, I mean, people probably know it from the Genesis, potentially from uh, Angry Video Game Nerds' uh, scathing review of it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I played these games on a Mac, you know, on, on, a, uh, on yeah. a computer instead uh, of, of a... You know, with a controller, and they they were much more fun. But especially like Return to Dark Castle was in color. Dark Castle was just black and white. Uh, I think they colorized it later. But there are certain things about like your HUD that remind me of it, and yeah. there are certain parts. But some of the levels and some of the layouts that I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I really like that aesthetic. Yeah, the font too. The font mm-hmm. is very Commodore 64 ish. Yeah. Just the whole vibe and style of the game, it just really reminds me and gives me a throwback to like Commodore 64, Amiga. It is a very like European style game yeah, from the yeah. design itself. So it's, it's, I really like it, but it still plays really tight. I mean, the controls are very good. It's a fun little game. So is there a specific composer that you'd like to work with whom you haven't had the opportunity to? And if so, who would that be? Specifically talking like video games. I would say one of my bestest friends from college, actually, because he's just starting out doing music for games. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently he actually had a track that he, you know, he worked with the game developer. And that was, that was very recent. And he's just very talented. So like a big shout out to Aaron Wilson for <laughs> that. So I would love to collab with my best friend. That would be that'd be an amazing experience, you know. So yeah, he's definitely a very talented guy. 
Yeah, that was Steve. What was his name again? Adam. Aaron Aaron Williams. Oh, Aaron. Aaron Wilson. Aaron Wilson. Okay. Yeah, he goes by the name A A W. Okay. But yeah, but he's he's a great composer. Like he does different genres. Like he can do like drama based, like electronic music. He's just he's very good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. If he's on Twitter, looks like A A W music. Yep. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want to find out who he is, you can go to at AAW Music. And he yeah. has a, a Wix site for his music and some YouTube stuff, it yeah. looks like. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate very, that shout out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's an, another another uh, composer as well I'd like to give a shout out to. He's um, one of my other best friends, Markovich. He makes that drama based music. Mm-hmm. So like, and. I met them like in college, mm-hmm. my college days, and like we've been best friends for like 15 years now. So we love like talking about music, <laughs> yeah, and they're just very talented. So like, if I did have to, yeah. if I did, you know, in the future want to collab, it would definitely be with Mark and Aaron. Definitely. Right. Aside from the obvious, <laughs> so, yeah. which is Nathan McRae. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be like a dream come true. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Very good composer. Very good. All of them. Very talented. Yeah. All right. Let's move into your next pick, which is another Ghoul Boy song. Yeah, we got a little bit of a Ghoul Boy block here. We've been playing two tracks from specific games. We're gonna we're gonna do three on Ghoul Boy, but number two is gonna be Song Ten, and so this came out on the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, mobile, iOS, and Vita in 
XVGM listeners, that was Ghoulboy Dark Sword of Goblin. Came out in 2017 on a whole bunch of stuff, and that was Song 10. Man, I <laughs> this really threw me back to the days of listening to Electro back in like my early college days, when that was like basically all I was listening to was like 80s Electro mm-hmm. music, which is basically like hip-hop meets electronic music of like craft work, like that type of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Africa Mabat is a good example. There's a part in the song that's like, and it's like the notes are identical to a part in a song by Nucleus called Let's Jam. Mm. There's a part like maybe like a minute and a half in or so where it literally goes. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I've heard that before. Uh, So I had to go back and listen to it and like. I don't know. Would you say it was pretty spot on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tempo is different, but it, yeah, the, it's a little faster, the, I think. Yeah, than... the, the progression was there, and mm. I'm glad you played it because I was like, when you were going to reference something, my my first instinct was like a jewelry commercial, like the, the there's da 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 it's a it's a it's a very old like classical song i was gonna say i do not remember that commercial i'll i'll find it you'll have to find it but and you were just like no no this is this this uh, electro song this obscure yeah. 80s electro track yeah yeah and, and then when you played it uh, i was like oh wow yeah that is that is spot on yeah. so it'd be interesting to know if that is actually a reference or uh doubtful or not. doubtful <laughs> No, I'm just the weird old curmudgeon that, you know, (laughs) that picked up on that. So purely coincidental. Cool song. Otherwise, just like, I feel like this one's a little different than some of the other ones that we've been listening to in Mm -hmm. in regards to Ghoul Boy. It feels a lot less video gamey in that aspect. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of that nucleus bit <laughs> that really kind of maybe yeah. honed into my ears. I, I heard a lot of chip noises in this, oh, uh, for in this sure. track, so it definitely felt video gamey to me. Yeah, I'm not saying it um, doesn't sound like, uh, I guess to clarify what I mean by that is <laughs> the type of composition itself, uh, gotcha. not the sound style. Yeah, sound style yeah. is obviously video game oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, th- this one also adds to the, you know, just the dark feel. Uh, that was the main reason that I picked this one is I like, you know, dark underground music, which is why I have that other podcast. And, and this really kind of felt like it would fit in as like a longer composition or, or something yeah. bigger on that level. I really do feel like this has a lot in common with Astyanax. Mm. Uh, the graphically, no, definitely not. A Steinax is a very Japanese <laughs> style. But you get three different weapons in this game. A small sword, a big sword, and a mace that you can use. There's also throwable weapons, one of which is like a shuriken boomerang type thing. <laughs> and the other, I, said, I think like a dagger, if I remember, or something along the lines of that. Like where it just like, oh no, I think it's arrows. Because what you could do is you could shoot arrows into the wall and then jump on those arrows to climb climb platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's four bosses in the game. There's all different puzzles and stuff that you will come across and, you know. But the game itself has those puzzle elements in terms of platforming. Mm -hmm. Like, how am I going to get to that spot? (laughs) And so you have to kind of try to figure it out. But there's all different, like, money and stuff that you can collect. I'm not quite sure what the money's for yet i think it's for a store like an in-game store that you can like access like different weapons and different like pickups and stuff like that if i recall or maybe like health advancements or i I was gonna say yeah like i think uh, it's a health health stuff i think i'm trying to remember i played maybe like three levels in and i just can't remember a store off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure there's something like that in there hmm we talked a little bit about Ghoul Boy in the intro, but uh, I figured I'd ask when when you were working on Ghoul Boy's soundtrack, what was that process like? How was it working with the developer on that? 
it was fantastic. You know, we, we had great communication. I love working with, with Circum. And we did discuss, you know, like further down the line, to basically work together again. If, if a sequel came to Gullboy, you know, Gullboy 2 or something, okay. like, you know, that was, it was discussed. Like, I would I would love to work with him. It's great, great developer, very talented. And it was just, it was just very smooth. You know, the process was very smooth, good communication. We're bouncing ideas of each other, you know, and just got the work done, you know, very, quite, quite easily. Um, so it was a great experience. Very good, very good experience. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right, let's move into our final Ghoul Boy track. This is song two from, again, Ghoul Boy, Dark Sword of Goblin, the Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, Mobile, iOS, and Vita game from 2017.
All right, welcome back to our interview with Nicole Marie T, our composer spotlight. This is the final track that we picked from Ghoul Boy today. We started off with an intro, and then we've just played three tracks, but all back to back to back. Dark Sword of Goblin is the subtitle on this game, though if you search for it, it's just called Ghoul Boy. You can get it currently on the Switch for $1.99. It's on sale. Nice. So go grab it. No, Justin, seriously, go grab it. (laughs) Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, mobile, iOS, and Vita, all in 2017 or afterwards. Song 2 was the name of that song, and I really dig this one. Mm. I will say that this one of all the songs that we've played from Ghoul Boy specifically really kind of stood out the most to me. That beat in the background, yeah, kind of yeah. has like hip hop vibes to it a little bit. Oh, I was gonna say dance, like it, dance it, or hip hop. Really, really yeah. gave me some like it really gave me some like, dance beat vibes. Yeah, but the actual melody is quite haunting and really kind of harkens back to like that spooky environment that we've been <laughs> talking about with Ghoul Boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, story wise, the story has you uh, play as Ghoul Boy who is trying to get his father back, who is like a adventure hero type. And you're trying to... Is his father named Ghoul Man? No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> I, I, it's a pretty easygoing story as far as like gameplay-wise. You don't really need much of gotcha. an explanation, basically. Kid trying to save his father, mm-hmm. both of which are adventurers. So, you know, it's like if Conan had a kid, you'd be Conan Jr., mm. if you will. I think that was a cartoon. Conan Jr.? I think you're thinking of James Bond Jr. Uh, You could be right. So you've composed music for a fan game for Alex Kidd. Uh, You mentioned earlier that uh, Alex Kidd was one of the first games that you played on the Mega Drive. So was was that like a dream project for you? It was definitely a dream project for me. I was actually (laughs) over the moon when they contacted me the first But You know, like the game they've contacted me to make music for a fan base at its kick. I was was on board straight away, you know, because I've got a very soft spot you know, for Alex Kid. So I want to stick with that, you know, like I really love making music for, I actually used a um, tracker for um, the Alex Kid game oh. to make the music because it had to be compatible with the master system. Right. So oh. I had to use a completely different music program for that. So the first one was for Alex Kid 2. That was the first fan base Alex Kid game mm-hmm. I made music for. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time using a tracker yeah, so that I, I learned that as I was making that soundtrack for Alex Kid 2, that was my first time, you know, yeah. using a tracker. Yeah. And it was just amazing, amazing experience. And then and then I went on to Alex Kid 3, which was with a different developer. Yes, yeah, so I used another tracker for that. And yeah, something I would love to make more music for Alex mm-hmm. Kid games, definitely. What was the learning curve on trying to master the tracker? Oh, it was it was very very different from a music program like Cubase, like a different like DAW, mm-hmm. because with a tracker it's like going downwards, you know, rather than across. Oh. And there's a lot of like more it's more like mathematical kind of thing, like you've got mm-hmm. values, you've got to type it in, like and yeah. it's more like that rather than like with a with a DAW, you just like mm-hmm. input it on your keyboard and record, and that's that. So. Yeah. The tracker was slightly more harder to, to learn at first, mm-hmm. but once you get the grasp of it, just like with any program, once you like the more you do it, you, it becomes easier. And I did, you know, YouTube was my best friend on that one. <laughs> like learning, you know, I was just typing in YouTube tutorials for that program. Right, and right. That's how like I learned how to use mm-hmm. trackers. Yeah, I still use it to this day you know, if needed. Right. I would use a tracker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's for FM? Or is it uh, like PSG? 
Yeah, there's this program called Defamask, which has like different modules, for, like depending on what console you want to port it to. Like, right. So if it's like Master System or Mega Drive okay. or, or the NES. So it has like, you can choose basically yeah. in the program what module you want to do. Okay. to um, ex- export it to basically it, it, it does it in VGM format and then that will work for that console so say they wanted to put it in the cartridge right, again, right. and then, then that would be compatible for the Alex kid did you go with the FM or did you go with the PSG I went with the one I grew up with which was the PS- PSG but PSG. I do have the FM as well I have listened to FM Master System yeah was that a trip to hear that for the first time when you <laughs> when you heard FM through a master system were you kind of blown away i know i was like i was like wait what yes. it can do what <laughs> i didn't even know there was such a thing like before i felt like i found that out that like, there was an fm master system sound chip so like when i listened to it, i think it was youtube i came across that and i was like wow they actually did fm on the master system it was completely like you know ignorant to that yeah <laughs> so when i came across, came across it i was like that's that's amazing like, i love i love both i love the FM and PSG. I can't say one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both great in their own ways. Yeah. So. All right, let's move into your next pick. What do you got for us? All right, so we're going to change gears to a different game called Never Grind Online. This is available on Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One, and it came out this year in 2022. Uh, this is going to be the boss theme.
Okay, welcome back. That was Nevergrind Online, the 2022 game on Switch, Steam, and PS4 and Xbox One. And that was the boss theme. I get a very gauntlet mm-hmm. atmosphere mm-hmm. from this one. Yeah, me too. So th- this is a fairly big departure from the other stuff we've been listening to because Agreed. this is now getting into uh, like uh, more orchestral type stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with the gauntlet feel. It definitely has that like medieval... They had the, the, it wasn't a maraca, like a, the, yeah, that, 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 that sound. That was really cool. (laughs) I love those. That really differentiated the track from what we would normally hear in an orchestral song. It really kind of made me go, oh, okay, that's different. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was cool. Yeah. This is the world's first online multiplayer first person dungeon crawler RPG with real time combat. That is directly from the Steam store Mm -hmm. saying that. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. That's a lot. So this boss theme was great. I really dug it. Mm. This game sounds intriguing. No, I don't really play these types of games, but uh, the music was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of some of the old, old... EverQuest. Well, even be, like previous to EverQuest, I'm talking about like 80s and 90s, where you know oh, it's, yeah. it's it's technically first person. Like you're you're looking at the yeah. scene, and then you you kind of turn where you're going, like Dragon Quest sort of stuff, or like the Chemco games, like the early Chemco I games, like so. Uninvited, yeah, yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Ultima, I think Ultima. Is Ultima, one of them. yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it looks neat. Cool. So a lot of your music relies heavily on, on chip-based music, which obviously is, is where a lot of our nostalgia lies Oh, do as we well. like chip-based music? I Are mean, you sure about that? There, there, might, there might be yeah. a couple episodes dedicated to Maybe just chip-based a few. music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm curious, which, which type of sound style do you find is the most difficult to work with? Like you, You've done a, a handful of other yeah. compositions. Aside from chip yeah, what, anything. what one do I find yeah, the hardest? Yeah, no, out of, out of everything that you've done composition for like, yeah. and production, like what's been the most difficult that you've had to work oh, with? Oh, that's very easy to answer. I, it would be cinematic music. Ah. <laughs> very, very, very difficult to do. Even like to this point in time, like I'm still learning techniques mm. because you want it, because the thing is with cinematic music, orchestral music, you want it to sound as authentic as possible. Um, that is very hard to pull off with virtual instruments. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult. Because when you think of a real orchestra, you know, you've got everything set out in a certain position. Mm-hmm. You have to imitate that in the virtual world. So pulling that off, it's very, very difficult. But it's enjoyable. So that yeah. is one of my favorite genres to do. That and chip tune. <laughs> but it would be the, the most difficult out of all the genres to, to pull off. It's make it sound authentic. Yeah. There's so many layers yeah. to it. Oh yeah, I think so that's many. yeah. That that's I think the biggest thing. If I was a game composer, that's where I, my challenge would be too. Yeah, yeah. you know, I just yeah. I, I can't fathom when you have people doing all these scores and you know it's besides like you know a five or six point you know chip tune, which is still very difficult to mm-hmm. to do. But I would imagine yeah. that orchestral, there's just so many layers because you have to include all yeah. these different instruments, all the woodwinds, all the yeah. brass instruments, all the, you know, percussion and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, kind of mix Definitely. it all together <laughs> into this, like, you know, yeah. giant jello mold <laughs> of, yeah. of music. And you have to, exactly, yeah. And it's about getting the, the sound where you, you can't tell if it's virtual or real, right. you know. Mm-hmm. That's hard pulling off, you know, mm. when you're working with like strings and wind and brass. Oh yeah, yeah. So yes. you know, it's extremely difficult. But once you get it right and you get the right form, it can be very like rewarding listening listening back to it. You're like, I can't tell if that's real, yeah, or, or virtual. So 
there's such a there's such a human element to orchestral music that's just so much different i think than rock or jazz based stuff because i think with those i think you can fake it a little bit easier on virtual instrumentation but like when it comes to orchestral mm-hmm. i mean you're literally using your breath to get a lot yeah. of these instruments you know oh, life yeah. So, like, to duplicate that on, you know, you can hear when you listen to, like, an orchestral, in a lot of ways, you can hear the actual, like, breath of somebody breathing to, like, input, you know, to create that sound. And I think a part of that gets missed on the virtual element. And so to actually be able to successfully do that is is quite the challenge. Very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, And the dynamics is a big part of it as well. Yeah. Dynamically. You know, the volume changes and everything. Oh right! Yeah, I didn't even think that. Of that is very, yeah, because that is very um, like prevalent in orchestral music. Mm. The dynamic changes, and so when you're doing that in the virtual world, you know, it's basically you're imitating that, yeah, you know, and and that can be very difficult because like like you said, there's a lot of layers that go go into orchestral music yeah. and cinematic music. So you have to like think of every aspect, you know. So so when you, when somebody listens back to it. Basically, they can't tell if it's real, virtual, you know, that it's difficult, but it is doable. Yeah. I think it is. If you've got the right libraries to match that, I think that that's when it becomes possible. That's true. Yeah. Well, I also picked a song from this game and we're going to listen to it right now. It's called Combat Theme 1 off of the Nevergrind online game experience. Again, Switch, Steam, PS4, Xbox One in the very year that we are in, 2022.
are back. That was Never Grind Online's Combat Theme 1 from the 2022 release of the Switch, Steam, PS4, and Xbox One game that we're talking about right now. This is pretty cool. This is a very militaristic yes. kind of those drums. Uh, thing. Yeah, you got, you got those drums and those snares. Very marchy. Yeah. It makes sense for combat. Not quite as, like... So the, we, we've heard, like, the boss themes and mini-boss themes and stuff like that earlier, and those are, like, super high energy, but this one isn't quite high energy. And the reason for that, I, I feel like, is because of the style of game, where mm. you, you have this MMORPG that's being played kind of at first person. So rather than, you know, an action game where you have just a lot of, like, this kind of frenetic music, you have something that's a little bit more focused and, and allows you, because it's not like a classic RPG where it's turn-based battles. Uh, it looks like it's real time. So with yeah. you and the other people uh, in your party, you need to not be distracted by the music yes. and, and make your decisions and, and get your your you know spells cast, your sword hits in and stuff like that. Yeah, I still feel like it's smooth enough that you can do all that mm-hmm. without being too distracted yeah, by the yeah. music. The music is definitely uh, still fitting in good as a background thing. And it, it definitely captures the, the thinking. Words. No. The, uh, the idea of thinking about what it is that you're going to do in the game before you do it. The planning. That's sure. what I, that's yeah. the vibe that I get is a planning environment. Like mm. I need to figure out how I'm going to walk away from this part of the game with my life. Mm. That sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. So when it comes to choosing to write music, are you more interested in being guided towards the style that the developer wants you to compose in? Or do you prefer to kind of like get a feel for it and figure it out yourself? I would say a bit both, really. Like mm. I would ask first for the developer like what he is interested in making it sound like you know like and if he or she sent me a reference track like an audible reference mm-hmm. from like maybe youtube or something so that i can get a feel of what genre i should be going for what vibe you know musically and um just see how that works really at the end of it you know like put it in the game and if i feel like it doesn't work or anything i can have that input later on so usually at the beginning, it's more guided towards what the developer is wanting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I can have my input later and just discuss, you know, if we want anything changed. Mm. So I like that kind of like, what's best for the game, really? If yeah. it's best for the yeah, game, yeah. you know, we both have discussion on that, which is great. Would you say that so, that's what you prefer, having the developer kind of go like, you know, this is what I'm looking for? Or would yeah. if, if you had an opportunity to be like, here's something I've created this is yeah. what I want the soundtrack to this game to sound like. Do you think that that might be a uh, good idea too? Yeah, that I have actually, there's been instances of me actually initiating the sound of what I'd want for the game, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's the um, developer initiating like what they're looking for. And I'm, I'm completely fine with that. You know, they know what's best for the game. They know what kind of sound they're looking for. So I'm completely yeah. bored either way, whether I'm initiating it or the developer it's completely fine as long as we discuss it afterwards and everybody's happy yeah i'm happy <laughs> yeah in any of those discussions have you ever ended up dealing with like a, a disagreement or conflict of ideas uh, as far as like you know what you think should sound uh, like and what, what they thought or has it, has it mostly actually just been relatively easy going most of the time it's been smooth sailing just good. <laughs> um there was just there was this this one customer that um because at the very early stages of me making music games i i kind of made it mandatory to ask them to send me a song reference mm. an audible reference that's what i work best with 
Uh, when I listen to like a piece of music, I work best with listening to that and imitating that sound. Mm-hmm. So audibly, I work with audible references. So I, I made that kind of mandatory, and the customer that I worked with wasn't too pleased about the making that mandatory, basically, mm-hmm. because he couldn't really find a song to match what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of conflict there, but other than that, you know, that was just like the one percent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. so now i don't make that mandatory you know i just i make that option if they could send me an audible reference that helps me greatly compared to all the different references you know that because there's visual as yeah. well if they send me like the story to the game that also helps as well like, to get an idea but i work best with audio the, n- they send me like an audio track all right we are coming up on our last track of the day and it is from a fan game. Yes. Based on the SpongeBob. SquarePants. SquarePants. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is there any other SpongeBob? I have no idea. Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a game called Around the Clock at Bikini Bottom. This came out in the PC in 2021. And the track is called Doodle Patrick Boss Theme. is the last pick from our Nicole Marie T interview episode. The game is Around the Clock at Bikini Bottom. This was a PC game released in 2021, and the name of this track was Doodle Patrick Boss Theme. Just real quick, this game was a collaborative effort, so Nicole did this track. Uh, There are other tracks in the game done by other artists, Mm. so there's like 16 levels, so there's a whole bunch of music in here. Um, But obviously we wanted to focus on the track that Nicole did. Right, absolutely. This song really kind of stood out to me for the reason of those, like, it was very frantic sounding. Yep, yeah. Very horror frantic sounding yeah. with those keys. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. All over the place. But really strong and intense. I feel like, I know this is a Patrick Boss theme, and mm-hmm. I get the vibe of being chased. Probably. Yeah. That, that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a kind of survival horror game. 
It's described as a parody action horror game based mm -hmm. on the SpongeBob SquarePants franchise. It was programmed by Dave Microwaves Games with help from MXXN, who is the lead composer, as well as Padre Snowmizzle, who is the lead artist, writer, level designer, and co-composer. That's a great name. Yeah, <laughs> Snowmizzle, yeah. Snowmizzle. Other composers include, obviously, Nicole Marie T, yep. Epilogue, Did A Track, and a number of others. Cool. So, yeah, the game itself is 16-plus mm. levels, they say, mm. and seems fairly interesting. Like I said, it's a, it's a fan game, so it, this is not a an officially licensed right. SpongeBob game, mm -hmm. but uh, it looks like the story is that Bikini Bottom is <laughs> overrun by jellyfish. They call them jellians, J-E-L-L-I-E-N, mm -hmm. uh, and they are uh, creating evil clones that are doing all sorts of horrible things, uh, and you play as SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, and Mr. Krabs to eradicate this in invasion and and get things back to normal. What kind of horrible things? I assume that this is called a horror game for a reason. I, th I think they are either capturing or killing the inhabitants of Bikini Bottom and then cloning them to to obey this uh, this overlord that is mentioned in the description here. To what end? I I don't I, I don't know. You have to play the game to find out what uh, what's going on. But there are some uh, creepy recreations of scenes and locations from the Spongebob Squarepants show. I see this one it appears to be Spongebob uh, laying comatose on top of either a really badly made clone or just something that looks like Spongebob but just like the eyes are like hollow and the mouth is huge and kind of like dripping and okay, it looks so it's like creepy. It's like uh, if you've ever been on like 4chan back in the day all those like really super oh, creepy yeah, Spongebob yeah. pictures. Yeah. Like yeah. that maybe. Yeah. Very, very possible. Yeah. Regarding the Bikini Bottom track, what was it like working on a fan game of a licensed series like this? Do you have a personal connection to that in any way? Actually, I'm not like a big SpongeBob person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but you know, when it, when when he messaged me about, about it, I was definitely, you know, I was very excited. And he sent me like images from the game, you know, to get an idea. And he sent me like references. So I've got a lot of idea of what the soundtrack should sound like. And so when I was working on that, you know, it was a very nice experience. And yeah, so I just, I did the boss theme for that particular fan game. Mm. It was a fresh experience for me working on a SpongeBob fan game, because I, I hadn't worked on one prior to that, but mm. you know, it was a really good experience. I loved it. So earlier we talked yeah. a little bit about what kind of like a dream project would you work mm. on like for like video game based games, you know, like, you know, Castlevania, Mega Man, like that sort of stuff, Final Fantasy, et cetera, et cetera. What about when it comes to licensed games? Like, are there any like specific licensed franchises like movies or TV or comics or anything like that that, that you'd like really love to work on? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe something like. Tomb Raider is like my top one. I think that's that's one of the franchises I would love to, yeah. to work on. Um, they're like, but they, you know, most of the Tomb Raider games are like AAA, and um, but you know, like even if they had like an indie fan base mm -hmm. thing going on, I would, I'd be on board with that. As well. <laughs> definitely, I love I love orchestra. I love um, cinematic. Definitely, yeah. It's like one of my top ones. Mm -hmm. That and Chip Tune. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Justin. Well, this has been fun, but now of course is the end where we have to have. A little chat about our favorite track of Nicole Marie T's. So uh, mm. we're going to let our guest go first. Nicole, what's your favorite pick from this uh, episode of the songs that we've chosen? 
Oh, I mean, I, I, I love, I love all the ones I've worked worked <laughs> on. But I would say, you know, I would, I would go with the uh, around the clock of bikini bottom. Mm, okay. Uh, do the Patrick Ross theme. So yeah, so that would be my pick. Okay. Any particular reason, or that that's just your favorite? Uh, <laughs> it was just like my first time working on a SpongeBob mm, game. Gotcha. And so you know that would be, be the reason. That's cool. <laughs> but you know, I was really happy how it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so Justin, what about you? What's your pick for best track of this episode? I am torn. I think I really liked the song two, not by Blur, but by Colmarie T <laughs> from uh, from Ghoul Boy. Okay, that that one uh, that one really struck my fancy this uh, this evening. I was gonna pick that one too. Then then pick it, uh, or pick something you? that you didn't pick. I'm gonna say the Robo Zaro track was really good. Which one? Processing Plant ah, yes. Boss. That one was really good, too. Uh, that, that was actually my second pick. So. Yeah, yeah. And of your picks, I think I'm going to go with the Mina, Mina and Michi. Oh, song five? Yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. I was going to say cute. It was Good cute. and cute. It was It was, it was cute. cute. Yeah. Cute. It was goot. It was goot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you uh, stopping by and chatting to us about your music. And we want to know, like, where can we find you on the web? And also, what are you, what are you working on? Hey, so if you want to, you can follow me on my Twitter, which is at music versus art stuff. And I have all my links on my pinned tweet on there. So mm-hmm. you can see my website. And my website's also in my bio section. Mm-hmm. So um, at the moment, I have been working with a few devs. So yeah, I'm in the process of working on them. So nothing's yet been published game-wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been, that's what I've been up to. Awesome. Nothing you can talk about <laughs> yeah. at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. All right. Well, thanks so much again for being on the show, and we Thank wish you. Thank you the... so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. We, we wish Great you the best of luck in your future VGM endeavors. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Jordan and Anson Davis, Rage Cage, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, Scott Brackett, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Lama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you at the end of the show and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at facebook.com slash groups slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both of those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. All right. In one month, we are coming back in September with a guest. We are. 
Yeah. Super excited about this one, as is our guest. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a showcase on X-Men games with Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast. We've been talking about this one for a while. I think you reached out to him months ago to ask if he was interested. And he was like, yeah. And then we just kind of dropped the ball. What happened <laughs> well, was we had a conversation yeah, on yeah. the XVGM Discord. Oh, oh that's what I was doing. And it was like... We just started talking about comic books and X-Men specifically, mm. and we both realized, oh, wow, we're huge X-Men fans. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, so that kind of spun into, we should do an X-Men episode. And he was like, that'd be awesome. And in the back of our heads, we were like, we have to get him on this show. <laughs> that is how we're going to do it. So, yeah, we're excited to talk about some X-Men with Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast. Stay tuned for that in September. This is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. That's a lot. I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, let's try to combine as many genres and things <laughs> that, that we can to make this sound as unique as possible. You know, this is the world's first survival horror multiplayer shoot 'em up, uh, driving, uh, dating sim, uh, puzzle. Are you talking about Doki Doki Literature? Fighting, yeah. fi- fighting, uh, hack and slash Jeez. with RPG elements, and it's a Metroidvania. <laughs> All right, well. I want to try to do that. I want no. to <laughs> You're gonna not break make yourself. not make the game, oh. but just like try to make the longest title oh, oh. with as many genres. Yes, yes. This is the world's first racing survival horror <laughs> dating sim. Where, where you date the where you date the cars from NASCAR? Yes. No, you date the cars, but. You date the cars, but there's zombies chasing you, <laughs> so you're just mowing down zombies driving around this car that you're also in love with. Lord. And then your car meets other cars, and your car gets jealous of the other cars. And somehow you end up in bed with a car. In a car bed. In a car, in a race car bed. Yes, in a race... Yo, your car and you are in a race car bed together. You're hurting my brain. Now, I'm Mike. so sorry. I'm <laughs> I know, so... I know. I came up with the idea, but oh my god, I took it and ran with it as uh, I usually do. Anyways, all right, welcome back. That was Meanie. Sorry, yeah, Meanie, Meanie and Michi. No, wrong. <laughs> Meanie eh. and Micha. Terrible. All right. <laughs> it was pretty good. What did you think about this? The dark sort of what? Dark sort of goblin. Goblin D's nuts. All right. Oh. Anyway, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Oh, cut that, um, cut that, cut that. <laughs> I just had to.